0: really amazing. I've been playing that song for <clears throat> at least 25 years on the radio. And uh, every single time I hear it, I love hearing it. Never get tired of it. Absolutely amazing. Uh, well, it's finally after many days, uh, many gloomy days, overcast, wet, gloomy days here in New York. It's a beautiful day. And um, sun is out. It's cold. It's more like um, early March than uh, mid-April, or is it almost late April now? But I'll take it. I'll take it. However, as nicely as things are going today in New York, surprisingly enough, things are not going so smoothly in other parts of the world. And here's an article from the paper from the other day. Chinese sperm bank seeks donors. Only good communists need apply. It starts off the advertisement for sperm donors was exacting no bald men no hereditary diseases like colorblindness, and in case there were any doubts the sperm bank at Peking University Third Hospital clarified only men with an abiding love for the socialist motherland need apply <laughs> only this is the yeah, sperm only men with an abiding love for the socialist motherland need apply <clears throat> yes, that's the tried and true old formula, right? Exclusivity and patriotism. Formula has never failed. The Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is looking for a few good sperm. Actually, it's too bad I'm going to miss out on this chance in, uh, in Beijing. I'm crazy for this socialist motherland myself. I am. Although I doubt my old American sperm would be acceptable. Probably not. Anyway, this whole thing sounds vaguely incestuous to me, right? Does that sound strange? Love for the socialist motherland and sperm? What might all this lead to? I don't know. You know, I have to say that this use of the term socialist motherland, it pisses me off, both politically and linguistically. I mean, it's so deeply and cynically dishonest. China today is a cutthroat capitalist dictatorship. And socialism, you know, real socialism, equality and economic justice has nothing to do with the what things go on in China the way today. I mean, nothing. And everybody there knows it. And yet, what is this about human beings where they persist? I guess governments or, or corporations, uh, but especially governments, dictatorial governments, they persist in using these, um, these catchphrases or these terms or these titles. And everybody there, I mean, it, it just... It's like a cynic. It's just like a cynicism machine. Uh, it's a machine for manufacturing instant cynicism, starting with children. Everybody knows it's bullshit, and yet everybody says all these things. I mean, it, uh, unfortunately, this has been happening for a long time in this country. Um, you know, the home of the brave and the land of the free, or is it the land of the free and the home of the brave? Not so much for a long time, anyhow. The article continues, President Xi Jinping's drive to restore the Communist Party's place at the center of everyday life in China has brought socialist banners to the streets, nationalist rap music to the airwaves, and patriotic heroes to the movie theaters. Um, This is just like in North Korea, right? The old Soviet Union, same thing, and Nazi Germany. It's like total immersive indoctrination trying to turn everybody into a mindless worker ant, right? This is what it's all about. Or at least scaring anybody with a different thought or opinion into complete silence. And, you know, you get uh, indications of that. You see that a lot with this with this Trump administration. It's, and I, as I've said many times, I know ad nauseum. It, it reminds me so much when I've read about the uh, early Hitler uh, group. You know, people considered them all a lot of... Um, absurd uh, misfits and clowns until they weren't, right? <clears throat> and then when you get the combination, not just of the, uh, of the, uh, the idiots and the fools and the clowns and uh, the carnival barkers and the misfits who are at the top, which you see in the Trump administration, but when you get that backed up by an organized, disciplined, military or uh, militaristic um, gang, and so far, we haven't had that too much with Trump, but it's, the possibility is always there. Anyhow, um, uh, according to the article, Mister Z uh, has the um, uh, the president of China has inspired a new test of party loyalty reproduction. In fact, the ad placed by the hospital sperm bank um, sperm bank. <laughs> stop here, sperm bank. I always love this term, sperm bank. Can't you just see people lined up at the window waiting to make a deposit or a withdrawal from the sperm bank? And does the bank pay interest on the sperm? Can you get a free cell phone or interest-free credit card if you deposit your sperm in uh, the J.P. Morgan Sperm Bank? I don't know. What if you wanted to withdraw some sperm? I mean, after all, it's your sperm. Where is it, and how would they dispense it to you? I mean, how do you get 6% interest or... That's uh, ancient, right? How do you get 1.2% interest on sperm? Yeah. I remember my first, not sperm, but uh, my first cash savings account that I started uh, at a bank just when I was a very young capitalist. I was 11 years old. At uh, it was at the Ridgewood Savings Bank in Laurelton in Queens. Every week I would go in on Saturday morning um, and deposit, never withdraw Withdrawing was for misfits and losers. You did not withdraw anything. It wasn't American to withdraw, as we remember from Vietnam. Struggled with that for a long time. You know, withdraw with honor. Never withdraw. So you don't withdraw any money from the savings account. In the 50s, when you had a savings account, you put money into it. Nobody took money out of it. You saved. That's what the point was. Anyhow, uh, I deposit whatever money I saved up, you know, uh, every Saturday, <clears throat> that week from, it depends on the season, like it was mowing lawns or trimming hedges or raking leaves or shoveling snow, whatever it was. Uh, and I handed over my hard-earned money, most of it in nickels, dimes, and quarters, and uh, the occasional 50-cent piece. Are there any more 50-cent pieces, I ask? I mean, I could you know I could look this up on Wikipedia, but I don't have that in front of me now. I wonder if there are any more 50-cent pieces. They were very... Very rare and very valuable if you came across them when you were a kid. If somebody gave you a 50-cent piece, it was a really big deal. Anyhow, <clears throat> so I handed over all my money, and the teller at the bank um, took my green bank book. It was green, I remember. It was a nice, dark sort of grass green. <clears throat> and he stamped the amount inside of it with a hand stamp. And if there was any interest, he'd stamp that in, too. Uh, but uh those are the days when uh when humans actually did things without channeling everything through electronic impulses flying through the invisible ether through machines it didn't didn't sound like a pinball machine it didn't uh you know it didn't take pictures instantly and make fifty two copies It was just stamp here's your here's your bank book back it was um tactile much more tactile, which I think made a tremendous difference it's a great loss that we don't have that now. <clears throat> and I don't I don't even remember do we were there sperm banks? Did they have sperm banks back in the nineteen fifties? I don't know. And I'll tell you something, even if they had sperm banks, it's not something I would have at the age of twelve or thirteen heard anything about. I wouldn't have known about this. And in fact, if I did know about it and people talked about it, it would have sounded amazingly disgusting or dirty back in the fifties. A sperm bank, yeah. Get your mouth washed out with soap or your knuckles wrapped just for saying a thing like that out loud in the 50s. Now they have uh, depositories not just for sperm, but eggs, right, human eggs, and embryos, which they freeze. Uh, I know somebody whose uh, daughter, who's um, in her 40s, is uh, <clears throat> she's having trouble getting pregnant, and she's thinking of, uh, you know, uh, fertilization and all, all these um, new uh, modern science uh, tactics to get pregnant. She has to, uh, told me that she has to buy an egg, just to buy an egg, and I guess then get it um, fertilized. It's really, really strange. Anyhow, but um, yeah, they freeze embryos. People have embryos and they freeze them and they implant them, presumably, at another time and see if they take. Um, it sounds like all those uh, 1950s uh, science fiction movies uh, that we used to watch or read about in books. <clears throat> imagine, but imagine a frozen embryo. Imagine starting out your tiny little existence. There you are, an embryo. You're frozen. And you're right in there next to the ice cubes and the Haagen-Dazs and the frozen waffles. I mean, there you are, you know. And there's a long-range study for you. I and mean, the effect on personality of starting out life in a freezer Maybe such people would be uh cold and hard, right, or maybe they'd spend their whole life devoted to um to being warm or looking for seeking warmth since they had such a frigid beginning anyhow the uh <clears throat> the article continues here uh the ad for acceptable sperm that is which has circulated widely on social media in recent days, listed support for the Communist Party and Mr. Z. At its top, as its top requirements for potential donors, Here's this is good, he must have good ideological thoughts. That's the sperm donor, not the sperm. They haven't gotten to the point. They haven't gotten to the point in microscopic DNA, you know, photosensography or whatever it's called, where they can actually detect the thoughts or feelings of a sperm. And God help us all if they do. And what has God got to do with it? I mean, really, anymore. What has God got to do with it? It must be harder and harder to, um, to maintain a belief in God with all these, uh, all these revelations about how life is made from the beginning, where the universe came from. It used to be God did all that. We didn't know, so it was God, right? But um, now we know all these things, and we're learning more all the time. So uh, what's uh, the point of Mr. God? I don't know. Anyhow, let's see. uh, Okay, so the sperm donor must have good ideological thoughts, the ad said, by way of describing ideal donors, love the socialist motherland, and support the leadership of the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) And these men, sorry, those men who were approved to donate could earn up to 5,000 renminbi, which is about, what a strange, odd name for a currency. Does that sound Chinese, I suppose? Anyhow, that's about $800, according to the ad. So if you donated your sperm and it was approved, and uh, you don't want to just go in there and just, you know, donate it and wait to see if it's approved, I mean, that'd be a waste of good sperm. Anyhow, um, you could get uh, $800 for one um, squirt. (laughs) Sorry. And about 19% of the hospital applicants are accepted. So it's about 20%, one out of five of uh, sperm donors um, are accepted, according to a 2016 news report. And then, but what about if you're rejected? Imagine you want to donate sperm to the socialist motherland, but you're rejected. What do you do with your sperm then? I mean, a lot of uh, out of luck and down on their luck would be donors walking the lonely streets of Beijing, you know, carrying their sperm in their hand or carrying something that carries the sperm in their hand. You know, can you imagine? Mr. Lonely Guy. Sperm not wanted. There's an ultimate rejection for you. There's a DNA, the root of being rejection. And the ad, though, of course, uh, thank God for this, was widely mocked on social media, as it rightfully deserved to be, of course, was later removed. Love for the country and the party starts from sperm, one user sarcastically wrote on Weibo, a microblogging site. (laughs) Several commentators questioned the basis for the criteria. The ad also said that donors needed to be law-abiding, quote, honest and upright. Of course, you have to be upright. I mean, uh, it comes to just, uh, you know tactics and strategy. You have to be upright, at least temporarily, to begin the donation process in the first place. This is me talking. Anyway, the ad says, you have to be free of political issues. Where is the scientific proof? Another Weibo user wrote, a staff member at the Peking University Third Hospital, reached by telephone, declined to comment, I bet. Mr. Z's demands for unflinching party loyalty have been uh, known to encourage overzealous action from officials eager to prove their devotion. Critics have said that Mr. Z is encouraging the return of a personality cult unseen, unseen since the days of Mao Zedong. Um, it's a cult, right? <clears throat> a developing cult, just like the Bhagwan Rajneesh cult from the 80s. You remember Bhagwan Rajneesh at all? You'd have to be older, I guess. Remember the, the, the little little tiny sort of long-bearded guy who had 20 Rolls Royces? This is from the 80s. Does it come back? And my wife and I just watched It's really fascinating documentary on Netflix about the uh, the Rajneesh cult. It's called Wild, Wild Country. I can recommend it, but I have a major warning about it. The makers of the documentary have inserted astoundingly loud, obnoxiously intrusive, and even like meaningless music throughout this whole six-part uh, series. So you have to... I mean, it's a fascinating documentary. I mean, you would just be rooted to it. You couldn't turn away from it, except the music that you feel like, you know, like smacking the TV. Anyhow, the article continues, the sperm article. Under Mr. Z, government officials have also spoken frequently about the need to install the so-called red gene in younger generations, a reference to carrying on the communist tradition. Um, William Callahan, a professor of international relations at the London School of Economics, said the ad reflected Mr. Z's efforts to blend science with ideology. <clears throat> and, of course, where have we been down that road before, right? This, we get that insane sadism of Nazi eugenics and experiments on live subjects in concentration camps. That's what you get when you, when you blend these two things. I think people who were uh, personally, I think people who are drunk on power, dictators, some American politicians, including the heads of large corporations, they would be happy. Just to have loyal voters and consumers bred in labs, like in Brave New World, right? You just breed people to do certain work. And you don't have to put up with their, their crazy ideas or their feelings or anything. They're more like robots, right? This is where we're going. Either breed them in a lab, shape their DNA, or create robots. Who needs real people anymore? They're a lot of trouble. I mean, what a drag it must be for people who head corporations or politicians to have to appeal to for votes. I mean, what a bore to spend all their money on advertising, when science could turn out perfectly uh, loyal voters and buyers. And they're doing it now. That's what's going on. Anyhow, the article. Uh, nationalism and socialism are mixing in a peculiar way to promote Chinese identity. National socialism. and uh, They're mixing in a peculiar way to promote Chinese identity as a bloodline race, Professor Callahan said. The sperm Bank announcement shows how the party increasingly dominates Chinese politics, and how nationalism increasingly is defined according to racial purity. Whew, man, the ad comes at a time when Chinese sperm banks are facing pressure to attract donors, as more families seek to have a second child following the relaxation of the one-child policy. Um, <clears throat> really, more children in China, where there's one point—what is it? Five billion people, and sometimes people don't have any jobs or enough to eat. I mean, what about op- overpopulation? What about that? I mean, there's already too many children in China. There's too many people altogether in China. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of children whose parents can't even afford to take care of them right now. I mean, hundreds of thousands. Where's all the food and the shelter and the employment supposed to come from? Do they really need to spur population growth in China? But I, you know, I I guess they do. I mean, this is what, uh, I mean, sometimes people want more than one child. I mean, they love their child. They want to increase that love. They have a great experience. But still, you know, I can understand a one-child policy, but it's cruel in its own way. So, both sides. Anyhow, here's what the article says: <clears throat> the country faces intense pressure to grow its labor force as its society ages. I see that's part of the problem, and some sperm banks have resorted to using patriotic calls to persuade men to donate. And uh, they could forget the patriotism, though, right? I mean. Uh, they're going to have to pay, and they do pay. They have to pay men to do this, uh, or it's never going to work otherwise. I mean, can you imagine if they expected men to line up at the sperm bank with their sperm in their hands, so to speak, just for the glory of the socialist motherland? And Not going to work. Anyhow, some people, according to the article, were skeptical of the ad's significance, noting that it appeared to be an isolated case. Um, uh, Hu Zi Jin the editor of Global Times, a staunchly nationalistic mainland newspaper, said the ad was ridiculous. <laughs> I think so. It seemed aimed at stirring up critical news reports. Quote, leaders of this kind of organization who make this kind of accident should be asked to take responsibility and be given punishment. Mr. Hu wrote in a Weibo post. And I agree. Absolutely. They should be smeared with unacceptable non-socialist sperm, I say, and lashed in the public square. Does the world ever change?
1: Give me some men who are stout hearted men who will fight for the right they adore. Start me with ten who are stout hearted men, and I'll soon give you ten thousand more. I'm going shoulder to shoulder, and bolder and bolder, they grow as they go. Together, man to man, you who have dreams. If you act, they will come true. Who you turn your dreams to a fact? It's up to you. If you have the soul and the spirit, never fear it. You'll see it through. Hearts can inspire. With their fire, let the flame burn high for tonight. We do all we are. Ain't I good to you, yes I bought you furs for Christmas And a diamond ring Cadillac car and everything Loves make me treat you the way I do Gee, baby, ain't I good to
2: to you there's nothing too good for a boy that's so true gee baby ain't I good to you bought you some cashmere for Christmas a diamond ring a mark 7 car
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of acceptable sperm, there was another interesting article in the paper this past Tuesday entitled, Belgium may have new appeal for millennials. Join the army and sleep at home. And the article starts out, in armies around the world, basic training is more than just a a course in fitness, uh, military organization, and weapon skills. It plays a crucial psychological role Taking raw recruit that 's basic training, taking raw recruits away from civilian life, plunging them into life in barracks, breaking down their sense of self and molding them sometimes brutally into co- into a cohesive unit of soldiers it that 's basic training may soon be significantly less brutal in Belgium, where the army is considering plans to let recruits sleep at home on weekdays during training. They already have the right to return home during the weekend and. <clears throat> uh, see, that's, that's the phrase that really stands out, doesn't it? Breaking down a sense of self. Breaking down a sense of self. I mean, that's what you need, and that's what you have to have in a large, organized instrument of violence, the army. The, what you need is the, you have to eliminate that, uh, that tricky little sense of the right of an individual to believe that they have choice, right? And that the liberty that they have is sort of uh, God-given. And we're generally assumed to have that, in, uh, that right in a democracy. Maybe it's an illusion. Maybe it's not. But if you've got an army, you can't have people choosing each day whether or not they feel like charging a pillbox, right, or landing on a beach, or sailing, or flying into deadly combat. How can you give people that, that right to choose? <clears throat> I mean, there's always the fear, I think, that if, if given the basic idea of individual liberty and the sacredness of self, uninfluenced by rigid groupthink that is, that this self, this individual might start to question why they've been sent thousands of miles away from their homes to some godforsaken jungle or a desert or on top of a mountain or somewhere or out in the middle of a raging you know, storm in the ocean to live under the constant terror of being killed or mutilated and uh, to drop bombs on and shoot people with whom they have absolutely no personal relationship or particular quarrel at all people who, at least individually, they never met and they never will meet, except only as, quote-unquote, enemies, the enemy, right, on the battlefield. And you can see how easily all this kind of stuff could be exp- can expand and how it takes on a life of its own. I mean, it's a way of life that diminishes and finally eliminates the sacredness of human life. I mean, one army, one large mass of de-individualized human beings is trained to fear and hate another de individualized mass of human beings and that's how it goes right And the story this is the history of the human race how much easier it is then uh, if you're doing this if uh, if of course uh, you throw into the uh, mix which is always there that the other people the enemy you know these uh, these terrible people you know that you that you have to kill because you've been told to because they're awful and you need to you know, serve your country. It's patriotism. It's whatever it is. It's adherence to God who knows better. I mean, how much easier it is to do this if they're different? And of course, different means inferior, right? If they're a different religion or a different race or speak an unintelligible foreign language, which of course also makes them inferior, less than human. I mean, you, you add all that stuff up and what you get is like, the the standard the standard of history you get unspeakable mass murder and plundering and you get enslavement you get torture and then like i say it's the history of the human race from the uh the massive invasion and slaughters of uh of ancient and medieval times you get that i mean all the way through modern imperial colonial atrocities all that stuff from the 19th century um and you know the 15th and 16th century the uh, the Spanish invading um, Mexico, uh, you know, with uh, and uh, the um, the uh, Portuguese invading Brazil, and all these uh, colonial intrusions all over the world, and they inevitably bring um, a priest or uh, a minister with them, who was uh, you know they they plant the, the flag of Spain. Uh, on the beach, when they land uh, on the, in their wooden ships you know in Mexico, and right next to them uh, comes the priest in his long robes and plants um, uh, you know the uh, the cross on the beach right next to the flag this is it 's gone on forever it 's still going on. there are chaplains who accompany armies all over the world, even now and uh, I mean look at the look what goes on in Islam. look at all these um, Militias and uh, tribe tribal wars. I mean, they always have an imam attached to them, right? And um, this is not an old thing. This not this is still current and modern. <clears throat> and um, so all this all this stuff right through the colonial atrocities, and and also including the two world wars and Vietnam, and right up to the to the like insane stuff that goes on. There's this program technolized slaughter of Syrians by other Syrians and Russians and the murder of Afghans by different tribes of other Afghans in the American air force. I mean, um, this stuff just never stops. This, uh, this, uh, you know, they're bad, you're good. I mean, um, for thousands of years going back to before recorded history, you have this, it's, it's been us against them. We are chosen by God, whatever flavor God is uh, in a particular time and place. And therefore We can treat other people as if they were just meaningless objects, nothing but uh, plants or grass to be mowed down or insects to step on if they get in our way or annoy us. And, you know, we are chosen by God and, uh, you know, us against them. So who is this we? Who is this we? And who is this us? Almost always, it seems to me, it's some indoctrinated small or large group of otherwise well-meaning or at least inoffensive human beings, you know, who have to be trained over generations, over centuries, I mean, even over millennia, to regard some other group of people as them, the enemy. So, uh, you know, you just get this unmolded group of people anywhere. It could be uh, in your town, in your city here. It could be uh, throughout the whole country. And people who just uh, really... If you uh, left them alone, most of them, except for the ones who are extremely disturbed sociologically and psychologically, they just want to have families. It goes all over. They want to have families. They want to have sex. They want to have adventure, whatever it is. They want to have families, maybe. They want to fall in love. They want to get a job. They want to make money. They want to get some things, at least basic things, except for the people who are uh, a little twisted in their heads and have to be uh, billionaires. But... You know, most people just want the same things. And it don't usually, it seems to me, involve... I mean, people don't normally say, what do you want to do when you grow up? Well, I mean, most people don't say, well, I want to grow up and be um, a special ops soldier. But maybe they do these days. (laughs) Maybe that's something that people, uh, you know, look forward to being, right? Didn't always be, right? I want to be... Yeah, some people, I want to grow up, want to be a Marine. But uh, maybe that was connected to a time when... uh, Marines stood for something that was good instead of uh, who knows what now. Anyhow, um, and so so this indoctrination, right? So, the, so the we and the us is just we and us. It's just regular people, right? But they have to be molded and trained. And who molds and trains this, these people? Who does who does this indoctrination, this training to fear and hate and destroy other people? I mean, who does this? And that's always a question that sticks in my head when I, when I read history and I look at the world. It's always the thing that makes me wonder, who, who, who can do this? Who does this with other people? Who molds people like this? Who, uh, who pushes people around? Who forms these groups that fight each other? Um, there's obviously some universal DNA in human beings that makes them susceptible to pack behavior. You know, it's, it's like if you study nature, right? I mean, with most animals, there's a hierarchy, right? The biggest, the strongest, the most determined or willful animal Think about well, National Geographic specials, right? The most willful, you know, the strongest, the biggest animal winds up being the leader of the pack, and the rest follow along. And it can't—I think—with humans, it's more or less the same thing. Often, it's not necessarily the biggest or strongest, although that that counts more more than not uh, for a lot. Being the biggest and strongest, but it's the most deranged with human beings—the ones with a combination of deep antisocial or psychological disturbance, like I said, combined with immense cunning or shrewdness and willpower, or all of those things put together, and pure, pure viciousness, right? No regard whatsoever for the sensitivities, let alone the lives of other people. I mean, <clears throat> think of Hitler or Stalin or Putin or Trump. These are the people that wind up eliciting this blind obedience and desire to please them. That, uh, that, that makes history, that shapes history. Democracy, poor democracy, it started out as an idea, uh, maybe arising from another universal trait, which is the wish to live our individual lives, I'd say, just to be let alone, not to be alone. Let me alone to live my life. Don't bother me. The essence of, uh, you know, you don't bother me, I won't bother you. Do not do unto others <clears throat> that which you do not want them to do unto you the original Hebrew ideal. But this idea coupled with this wish is always in combat in individuals and then in groups with that other, another universal trait. It's the way I'm seeing it, right? Uh, You know, the wish to be let alone versus um, this other trait, which is this pack mentality, this follow the leader, us against them gene. So the, so the warfare, tribal or national, that you see throughout history really reflects the eternal warfare going on inside each person. So it's from the, from the individual to the universal. I mean, we live in a great void between birth and death. And in this uncertain landscape, I think we're torn between the desire to follow our own path and the need, based on the fear of the unknown, to be told what to do. So these two things are always at war with each other. And as far as individuals breaking down the self, you can't have individualism. You can't have people, used to be just men, now in some places it includes women and armies. You can't have them deciding anything about their fate or their place in the world. The army decides all that for them. You want to have a successful army, that's what you have to have. You give up your right to choose. It's just like joining the priesthood, the Catholic Church, you know, or a Buddhist order of monks, or an ultra-Orthodox sect of maybe Islam or Judaism, you give up your individual rights and your right to choose, and you sign it over to the leader, sign it over to the person in charge. But uh, coming back to the original article, the Belgian army is considering making service in the army more like a 9-to-5 job, where soldiers can go home at the end of the workday. And I say, good, great. I like this trend, right? This is trending, trending. Good. I mean, Belgium has no need. I mean, maybe this is just specific to Belgium, but um, it's scaring a lot of other countries in their military because they don't like it as an example. And Belgium is in NATO. And Belgium really does have uh, no need, uh, really, for a standing army. They really don't. Um, They especially don't need an army uh, that they need to dispatch to different parts of the world. What does Belgium need that for? I mean, they were way back in the day, just as nasty a colonial, colonial power as any in Europe. I mean, look at the Belgian Congo. I mean, Conrad based his story, The Heart of Darkness, on what happened with the Belgians in Africa. Um, the viciousness, the mass murder, the torture, the way that the Belgians treated uh, the Congolese is uh, something that still stands out in history, I'm really nasty history of humankind. <clears throat> and also, Belgium is in NATO. Um, not that it makes much difference. It's a, it's a small country, and has been for the last 100 years, nothing but a kick soccer ball in the last two world wars. And Belgium was just a uh, toast in the toaster. And now in the modern world, a tiny part of uh, the Western military alliance against Russians, against the Russians, Belgium is part of that. They don't have any nuclear weapons. Why would they need them? I mean, the USA, France, and England and their armies and nuclear weapons are all around them protecting them. They don't need an army. So the question is, why, except maybe for threats from terrorism, do they need an army at all, right? And they do have one. Um, If they're going to have an army, why not just for Belgium, at least, make it a nine-to-five job? And, you know, maybe for every other country, too. What if it was a nine-to-five job In every country in the world that you went home at the end of your day of fighting to um, to be with your wife, to be with your kids, to be with your mother, your girlfriend, to do whatever you felt like doing, maybe to watch TV, go out, you know, ride your bike, hang out, and then go back to work the next day. It might seem after a while like it wasn't such a good job to be risking your life when you get up in the morning and go to work, right? I like the way that's trending. Anyhow, um, and, um... So anyhow, the Belgians, they don't have to turn citizens, regular everyday people, into a regimented pack of human wolves. They don't need to do that. Um, and that's still necessary to do that, though, for armies to fight large wars. But maybe that's disappearing, which can only be a good thing. Anyhow, back to the article. Uh, government officials say that the change is needed to make a graying army, the average age in Belgian in the Belgian armed forces, is 44. Hmm. More than a decade older than in France, Germany, or Britain more attractive to millennials. They want to sell it. Uh, Quote, society is constantly evolving. The dreams and expectations of young people are evolving too. So the army has to evolve with it, said Alex Clayson, a media officer for the Belgian military. He added that the idea was part of a broader proposal to better serve the wishes and capacities of recruits. (laughs) I guess people who uh, were drafted in this country or joined the army I find that um, kind of amazing, that the wishes and capacities of recruits were were being considered. And yeah, they're selling something. They're selling the Army. If you sell it, you have to sell it, like you're selling a car or a cruise or a smartphone. You have to get the consumers to like it. Uh, Quote, many veterans and defense experts, however, are aghast, arguing that the policy could undermine unit cohesion and set a dangerous precedent for other Western armies, but many declined to go on record with their criticism. Who we have here? Oh, Danny Lambs, a former Dutch paratrooper and chairman of a veterans organization, condemned the plans. You do not go to war. You do not go to a war zone with men who miss their mama. <laughs> uh, let me read that again. Quote, <clears throat> you do not go to a war zone with men who miss their mama, he told the Guardian. We used to sleep on the cold ground under a leaky tarpaulin. We wanted to serve our country. If you allow the recruits to go home during the week, the military will soon ask for a mobile home if they are sent to the front, he asked. He added. Yes, men who miss their mamas, or maybe, like I say, maybe who miss their girlfriends or their wives and miss their little kids. And so what? It's natural to miss people who you love. It's unnatural to sleep on the cold ground or in a barracks full of strangers, trained to be brutal, learn to hate another fellow group of human beings, and it's unnatural to go far away and kill or be killed by total strangers. That's what's unnatural. Some countries may need armies to defend themselves, but it sure as hell is in Belgium. I don't think so. And I say, you know, don't worry about missing your mama, boys, Belgian boys. Better you should worry about carrying a loaded gun. You could put your eye out with that. Anyhow, the article continues. Belgium would be the first country in modern Western military history to make such a move, according to experts from the European Defense Agency, which monitors defense capabilities, blah, blah, blah. Um, Quote, every army trains to go to war and there will be no sleeping at home when you go to war, said Vir Maram, 35, a reservist corporal of the French Foreign Legion, the French Foreign Legion, right? Along with the Hessians, Uh, who were the original uh, amoral mercenaries, right? So this is what we're getting a quote from. You know, he's uh, an expert on what human beings should do, a killer for the French Foreign Legion. Mr. Moran served several tours under the command of Western armies and NATO in Afghanistan, right, Iraq and Mali, and is studying international security, right, in Brussels. International, International insecurity for the rest of us. Quote, he says... Mr. Barham says, an army evolves with the way that it fights, he added, but the only thing that changes are the weapons we fight with. The nature of war itself does not change, and so the basic principles of the army don't change. Military service was mandatory in Belgium until 1994 for men turning 18, ending their studies for one year. Since then, the headcount of the country's armed forces has gradually diminished from 40,000 to about 28,500 active personnel. Belgium now has about 2.6 soldiers per 1,000 civilians, fewer than many of, uh, of its NATO allies. Um, the army is right to try to attract more youngsters as many senior personnel will retire over the next five years. If your army is getting older, you've got to get new people, right? Or else you won't have an army. What a disaster. Colonel Housen said, um, Colonel Housen is some expert here. Anyhow, uh, but the requirement to live in barracks, he said, was not the main factor driving young people away. Oh, what is it? 20 to 25 percent of recruits choose to end their contracts early, official army statistics show, but only 16 percent of those who leave say they do so because of family reasons. Hmm. More important, Colonel Housen said, was the effect of cuts in the Belgian defense budget over the past decades, which meant that young people don't have the appropriate equipment. They lack the means to train in a convenient way, and they don't have the right garrisons, the right training infrastructure. They don't have the required readiness. As a matter of fact, they can't do the things they want to do and the things they join the armed forces for, he added. Mr. Clason, the Army spokesman, Mr. Clayson, the Army spokesman, said that a growing economy and increasingly lucrative civilian jobs for young people had kept many millennials away from the military. Others, he added, deem the prospect of patrolling the streets of Antwerp and Brussels under the country's continuing counterterrorism operation, vigilant guardian, <clears throat> not adventurous enough. See, now that's depressing to hear. I mean, the main reasons for a decline in people joining the army aren't because they don't feel like killing strangers, but because it's not a good place to get a job anymore, and it's not adventurous enough. So presumably, um, if more money went into the army for jobs and training, and a guy could travel around the world and maybe shoot people for the thrill of it, the Belgian army would get more recruits. So, who knows? But here's a, here's an idea for the Belgians. Why not shut down the army entirely and I, and put the money into civilian jobs and training, like to build houses, clinics, hospitals, schools? How about that? And if you're looking for adventure, I say to the Belgians, or to anybody. People who need it can find a job that might send them to another part of the world if they look hard enough, if you really need to do that. Or you could take up skydiving, or even trying having a successful marriage and bringing up children. And then I could tell you, that's an adventure. <laughs> uh, but maybe I'm being disingenuous. Maybe I am. I mean, men in general are basically different than women. Um, is that okay to say? Men in general are different than women they need men it seems to me they need to test themselves against the world they, uh, they need to go up against the elements sometimes or other men, risk their lives in a way to make them feel that they are alive. I know I, I was that my father was like that, and I was that way when I was younger anyhow um, <clears throat> about a thousand Belgian troops i mean they are some active Belgian troops that they 're currently serving in um, Afghanistan. And um, every once in a while, Belgian F-16 fighter jets uh, fly over Iraq and Syria and attack the Islamic State. So some people are having their adventures. Um, And in the end, it said here, Mr. Magram, the legionnaire, remember him, the mercenary, he said, in the French Foreign Legion, we stay in barracks for the first five years. They don't sleep at home with their mamas. Uh, Anyhow, he says, what do you want, Mr. Maram says, the army to go on strike You want unions in the army, he said, bursting into laughter. How I hate the 21st century. Well, I say, you know, the old legionnaire killer has me there. He's got me stumped because not about unions. It sounds like a good idea to me in the army. But about the 21st century, I am also not a big fan.
1: I'm off to Yokohama for the red, white, and blue, my country and you. Goodbye, mama. I'm off to Yokohama just to teach all those Japs the Yangsano saps. A million fighting sons of Uncle Sam, if you please. We'll soon have all those Japs right down on their Japanese. So goodbye, mama. I'm off to Yokohama for my country, my flag, and you.
3: To Mama, you're off to Yokohama, so be brave and be strong. You won't be gone long. Say bye bye, Mama, the land of Yamayama. Until April, I guess, will be your address. On Christmas Eve, when Dad and I are trimming the tree, you'll do your share of trimming out on land and on sea. Say goodbye to Mama, you're off to Yokohama for your country, your flag, and me. Goodbye,
4: Mama, I'm off to Yokohama for the red, white, and blue, my country and you. Goodbye, Mama, I'm off to Yokohama just to teach all those
1: Japs, the Yanks are no sense. A million fighting sons of Uncle Sam, if you please, we'll soon have all those Japs write down on their Japanese.
4: Goodbye, Mama, I'm off to Yokohama for my country, my flag and you.
0: Okay, <clears throat> let me cut that a little short. Um, this is Mike Fader, and this has been Mike Fader. So what are we talking about today? Sperm, you know, patriotic sperm, patriotic sperm donors, uh, and um, soldiers in Belgium who might want to go home and sleep at their mama's houses or their wives' houses with them rather than uh, stay overnight in barracks. The world is changing, and the world is not changing. And uh, who could tell where it's going to go? But uh, if you got the right amount of patriotism and you have the right kind of sperm, you could probably make it in the world. Yeah, I know. All right. Wise guy stuff. Wise guy stuff. And, I, you know, I understand. If you're attacked by bad guys, you have to defend yourself. That's, that's a basic rule of life on the street, in your neighborhood, in the world. You have to. This is the way it is. I mean, there are some people that just have to be stopped from being the way they are. And it takes other people... To, uh, to stop them. But uh, being attacked by bad guys, you have to defend yourself. But the question is is that a philosophy to actually live by? It's a good, it's a good question. Anyhow, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, go to my website, FaderFiles, Fader F E D E R F I L E S dot com. And uh, as always, thanks for listening.
3: Someone to tell you everything the end of the line, the line. Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring the end of the Maybe a downwind.